there a problem between your brain and your mouth? It's possible, Possible yes. today. I, do, I don't know how the, the fever manifests. Yep. It could well be that Have my brain-mouth nexus mm -hmm. has, mm. has gone haywire. Are you cotton wool head? I, feel, I do feel very cotton wool headed. Yes. I can't think of words, okay, Chinch. Okay, fine. That's a worry. It's a drawback in my line of work. Mm. Right. Words are your thing. They are, they're crucial. In my in my day to day existence, as they are for a lot of people who yes. speak. Yes. Yeah. Ultimately. Mm. Indeed. Uh, so, can someone explain to me this business? Look at the state. Yes, of but it. I wasn't look here last week, so I haven't. Rory, look at it. Look at the state of it. It's. I think it's incredibly ingenious. Give me an alternative, Andrew. Alternative way. Don't you waggle your hand in my face? What? Give me an alternative solution to what that piece of kit... What are you trying to do? Film us. Yes. Chinch, it happened last week. It went viral. Yes. <laughs> but you're not filming me because I'm not in the shot. Why well, just get a pair of stepladders and put the phone on top of that? Exactly. So, I'm so there's an alternative. I'm suggesting to you that that is not a better And that's less cumbersome than whatever that is. Two stepladders are less cumbersome <laughs> than one metallic arm that clamps onto any surface. Yes, with an 18-foot telescopic metal piece. Bend, bendable so it can bendable. film at any angle. Yeah, it's, 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 it's lovely. Yeah. Utterly yeah. ingenious, Sleek, it? sleek. It is, it really is. Just wait till you bang your head on it and then you'll feel differently. Hmm? You're, you're all about problems and not about... Uh, no, I'm, also, I'm all about the solution, you know me. Yeah. But could yeah. we potentially put it all on, on a YouTube channel? Yes, we could. Wow! We could all wear sponsored Castrol GTX t-shirts <laughs> or something, couldn't we? <laughs> what would be, if you could advertise for someone, what, what would you wear on your t-shirt? If there was one major company or... How am I getting paid? Yes, would, would you oh, get whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I getting paid in the products Hold the on, that's just so make? cynical. Who is your favourite? Who's my favourite company? Favourite company. What is your favourite brand? What uh, would you wear emblazoned on your shirt if you had the choice? I think I'd, I'd, I'd do a Barcelona or Aston Villa and give it to oh, charity. No, you wouldn't. Oh, That's rubbish. Jurex. <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? Guide dogs. <laughs> do guide dogs. Uh, what's my favourite brand? I don't know. I think I'd quite, you'd want something classy, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, so, well, you'd want something... You're there, but you're trying to think of classy, something that'll make you look good. If you really went with your gut instinct, it probably wouldn't be something classy, would it? Maltesers buttons, I'm quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> Terry's chocolate orange. Yeah. I'd have yes. Nando's. Nando's. <laughs> oh, I would love okay. to be sponsored by Terry's chocolate orange. I just have it, yeah, and just on the back it say it's not Terry's, it's, it's mine. Yeah, like Alan Partridge to get the ones yeah. that have congealed into one solid <laughs> milk chocolate Shock cricket ball. <laughs> Welcome to Set Piece Many. This is the podcast where four friends talk football over food. The food, as has become traditional because we're far too disorganised to actually eat before we pod, uh, is coming up. And Chinch, would you like to explain, first of all, its name and also its genesis? But didn't, didn't we used to eat while we pod? Podded. Yes, but we realised... Why has that changed? We've got too I much... It's the, the two stepladders that mean oh, that we, okay. we haven't got room on the table to eat at the same time. It's, it's Chinch's famous chop and lob salad. We've given it that name. Yes, we have. It is, in essence, a salad with loads of articles in it that you don't have to cook an awful lot. You just have to chop them up and lob them in a bowl. Now, what was the reason behind this? It is because um, when we were both at Manchester City against Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League this week, I said to Chinch, because I'm hosting for a second week in a row, um, I'm out of ideas, what shall I make? And uh, Chinch said, something healthy. Mm. So what he hasn't told you yet is what has, has been chopped and lobbed, because it's all very healthy, isn't it, Chinch? Yeah, but what I told you to put in the salad, I'm not sure, as I've not seen the salad as yet, it's a quinoa salad, Yeah, but 
there should be orange in there. There should be avocado in there. I don't know whether... There is an alternative name for this salad, which is everything Stephen despises all in one thing. Okay. What, the avocado? No, I've taken out the avocado because oh. I know he hates that. You're a good friend. Beetroot? So we've got quinoa, broccoli, asparagus, feta. Feta, yeah, mm. good. Parsley, um, toasted sesame seeds. Good call. And beetroot to the side because I will not have beetroot, beetroot makes in the it. same. Beetroot and avocado it dyes make all it. all terrible colour. I'm fine with everything you've just listed apart oh, really? from the beetroot. Oh, was that right? Avocado. You like that avocado. Yeah, yeah, well, he's taken the avocado out. Oh. So that's, we're, we're no, he hasn't, but hasn't bought any avocado. No, I, did, I, I took it well, out of the salad. He's taken it out of the recipe that you provided him with. Why? He's it. When I said to you, it's absolutely integral to not. the chop and lob. You did not. You texted your I wife did. to ask for the recipe and she refused to give it to you. Joining me, Hugh Ferris, are Rory Smith of the New York Times, overcoming the odds provided by a poorly child to be here with said poorly child. Congratulations. Also, also me... I'm poorly. Yes, you overcame the... <laughs> actually, you gave the child the illness. Yeah, I did, yes. The child fault. looks ill. You you just look as per. I look knackered because I have not slept in three days. Because the child is ill. Stephen Wyeth of Match of the Day and BT Sport, overcoming the odds provided by internal scaffolding to be here. Which <laughs> in his kitchen rather than in yeah. his colon. <laughs> 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 and, and Andy Hinchcliffe, who has overcome the odds provided by comparing himself to David Silver last week on national television. Well, if here. the boots fit. Well, they don't. Although oh. he might also be size seven and a half. And we both have thick heads of hair. <laughs> now. Now. <laughs> That's true. What would you look like if you shaved all your head? Oh, my goodness me. Breaking Bad? Horrifying. <laughs> Get in touch with the podcast. We very much appreciate all your correspondence via at setpiecemenu on Twitter, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, just search for Set Piece Menu. First of all, thank you uh, to all of you for your comments about last week's episode. We do very much appreciate them. I know Andy does as well. Um, also those who recommended the pod to others on the back of episode 111, which if you are new, uh, was about the uh, struggles and difficulties about retiring. What, it is, what is it like to be a professional footballer retiring from day one onwards? I think we all thanked you on Twitter. Um, if you did say something nice or recommended the pod to others because of it. In addition to that, Hal Getz has contributed again. Another staging post on the road to Buffalo status from the gentleman who writes to Rory Smith's podcast each and every time. Two steps forward, one step back, Hal. He says, as an American football fan, which is nice because he means soccer fan, just mm. to, uh, to clarify for the audience, uh, who came of age watching a loving Landon Donovan, the topic of football and mental health hit home. I've always admired Donovan for his decision to take an extended break from the game between the 2012 and 2013 seasons because of concerns over his physical and mental health. I remember the extensive criticism and hate he received because of the decision, including being left out of the 2014 World Cup squad. Jurgen Klinsmann finally lost my faith that day, says Hal. But as a young fan, I also remember that a player I admired stood up and said that he was human. And sometimes human beings need breaks from years and years and years of mental and physical pressure. And credit to the LA Galaxy, they respected the needs of their employee and gave him the space he needed to get healthy. I hope, says Hal, that more unions, clubs, players, coaches, etc. will also set such an example and tell fans, young and old, that it's okay to need help dealing with life. I know that seeing the top goalscorer and assist leader for both my country and my domestic league at the time uh, say that was a powerful example for a young fan. Excellent. What a, what a... Bravo. Bravo. That's all I can say. I'm also interested that um, Hal, who I, because of the name Hal, assumed to be a lot older than he in fact is because he was young when Landon Donovan was taking time out of the game mm. about six years ago. Mm-hmm. 
It's horrifying. I also wanted to reflect uh, this point of view from Mark Ridley um, on a different subject. In order to use it as an opportunity to have Rory speak on the offside rule again, bearing in mind what happened with Harry Kane and the Carabao Cup semi-final first leg uh, last week. It was sent after we talked about the issue, you'll remember back in episode 105, uh, when Rory went off on one about I the offside rule. How, well, it was, it. it was kind of ranty. It starts like this from Mark. Hi, Andy, Steve, Hugh, Hector and his slave. Although today it's Ed and his slave. Read your discussions regarding the offside law. I have an observation, particularly when VAR is in place, hence the uh, pegging it to the Harry Kane incident. Mm. The decision when a player is offside is decided by a TV technician stopping the action at the point the ball is played forward. By stopping the action two or three frames forward or backwards, you'll notice the ball could still appear to be in the same position, but the position of the attacker or defender could have moved fractionally, making a player on or offside. That's point one. Rory, this is your opportunity, whilst feeding uh, grape halves to your son. No, these are blueberries. Oh, blueberries now. Um, To uh, make a point that you would like to, perhaps, about the Harry Kane incident and how the, uh, not only the angle given from the VAR, uh, but also the discussion about whether he should have been offside, even in consideration of being offside. Well, no, the, so the, the issue that I have with offside, as was detailed in episode 105, is not so much that we need, we need VAR to look at it more closely or to change the angles or whatever. I just think the way we think about offside as a, as a culture is wrong. That this endless discussion of, oh, his toe was offside, or if you, if you fr- frame it, any conversation where you, have to, where you can say, well, if you pause it at this juncture, this millisecond, and he's onside, but if you, if you do it at this juncture, this millisecond, he's offside. That's stupid. That's not the point of offside. The idea of the, of the law is to stop players gaining a major advantage or a substantial advantage. That may not be the phraseology, but they, when they drew it up, they didn't think, well, we'd, we m- must stop every striker getting, getting a fractional advantage. They don't care about the fractions. So I think we, we could make it easier, not perfect, but easier, if we introduced a, a rule and it, over the course of a conversation on Twitter about that Harry Kane one. I think the way to do it is probably to, um, is to say that his whole body a player's whole body has to be offside. It has to be an entire person caught offside, not a sliver of a person as it is now. That is clearly it has to be daylight between a defender and a striker necessarily. Well, so apparently or the, day- the, the daylight. Apparently yeah. the daylight well, yes, rule. There has to be distance, some distance between the two. Apparently the day- my son has now destroyed Hughes Television, which I think is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure everybody agrees that the, that is indeed fantastic. The, the daylight <laughs> rule apparently never existed. It was It was guidance given that they then rescinded or something, but... I think that the the idea of saying you have to be clearly, visibly offside, potentially to the naked eye. So if part of you is onside, you're, you're onside. onside. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. yeah, I think as we also discussed around uh, offside and other rules in episode 105, is that if we could all be a little bit more mature about yeah. it and accept that that fo- decisions in football aren't linear, there are some grey areas, and that just accept. This might be hard to take when the decisions go against you, but just accept that sometimes an offside might be given and on others something that looks almost identical might not be and it's just part of the game and part part of a discussion we can have afterwards, but that unless a player is clearly offside, 
then should we just accept that we get on with the game? Talking about maturity, Mark continues with something which is not at all that. In addition, what effect, <laughs> says Mark, would abolishing the offside law have on the game of football? Oh, he yeah. suggests three things. Number one, would football teams' players all be over six foot four and the ball pumped from one end of the pitch to the other? Number two, the game would become very stretched and players with good engines, such as Nagola Conte, would be highly prized. And number three, Jermaine Defoe would be the most highly sought player in world mm. football. Mm. That is from Mark. Ridley. Uh, and finally, uh, on this uh, section of the pod, uh, congratulations to Shane Long. We'll leave it there. Uh, right then, time for soccer chat. Did score at the weekend, didn't they? Did score at yeah. the weekend. We should, um, I know that dates the podcast, but I mean, any mention of a Shane Long goal will date the podcast <laughs> because they are so rare. The, um, it's like asteroid sighting. It's either now in January or one, when's the next one due? Nine months' time? October. I, main, I maintain that Shane Long. I actually had a long argument with Chris Sutton uh, about, that didn't, wasn't about Shane Long. Uh, on on the BBC, uh, but Shane Long was a central feature of it. I will. I mean, I will. I will. Shane Long might be the hill that I'll die on. You'll go into battle. For Shane, I just think. You? I think Shane Long is really underrated. But, but someone said to us on Twitter after Shane Long scored that goal that could have happened at any different interval over the course of nine months. <laughs> that will will the rest of the set piece menu team? now side with Rory about what a great player he is. And I think you are all famously short term. We've all shown a fondness and an admiration for Shane Long. Have we? For the way he goes about his Not business. Change. We just think I that just wonder over the course of strike of course of my career and Shane Long's career, will I score more goals than Shane Long? Did Shane Which Long is slightly worrying one, for a striker. Did Shane Long not have one relatively prolific season at Reading? Well he got two. <laughs> then he scored three times. So what was your so what is your Shane Long, why is he, Shane Long is is now, he important is now to you? Slightly, we've done this before. Have yeah. we? Sorry, I, I maybe wasn't there. Refer to that does happen, apparently. Refer to it whenever we did it. I mean, we did, I think we, we maybe talked about Shane Long once every three or four weeks, don't we? Uh, more often than he scores goals, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, our conversation today is, is uh, begun thusly. Where is the line? This is a line between marginal gains and unfair advantage. When does trying to exploit every possible avenue spill over to being unsportsmanlike and why do we declare some things okay and other things not now we all love Marcelo Bielsa happy to admit that we all love Marcelo Bielsa but it turns out that he likes to spy on people okay let me rephrase that I don't think he does he sends people to spy on other teams before games thank you and apparently he's been doing it for years and didn't mind admitting it after a Leeds employee was caught at the Derby training ground before their game in the championship which happened last weekend a weekend upon which Shane Long scored a goal (laughs) he was sorry he, that's not Shane Long. He was very pleased. Marcelo Bielsa was sorry. He didn't realise that that's not how things are done here. This, <laughs> the Shane Long metaphor continues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Henry Winter, one of the UK's preeminent journalists, the Rory Smith of his generation, if you like, uh, was particularly but strong. Henry will, will not be happy about that description. About how it should be punished. Rory had to make space on the Times to allow Henry Winter and his salary. To which someone replied on Twitter, reminding Henry, who had asked for said punishment, who we also, we should say, we all love dearly. We are very, all very fond of Henry Winter. Uh, mentioning that Henry used to spy regularly on England training sessions during World Cups, try and get the team ah. and divulge it, um, or indeed at least have it inform his writing. Gary Neville then responded, he did not like that. But is there a genuine debate, because clearly a debate between Henry Winter and Gary Neville cannot be described as genuine, about how far you can go without going too far? Where is the line. Now, let us start with 
so-called Spygate. The scandal in 2007 when New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick was fined half a million dollars for having New York Jets defensive signals filmed illegally during... Uh, no, OK, so it's not that one. The other Spygate. What did Bielsa do that was over line if he did anything that was over the line? Well, so what, what intrigues me about this is we all accept that it's OK for a team to have a staff member who watches, who goes to watch a team's previous games or we'll watch a few games on video and we'll probably go to the forthcoming opponents and the, the fixture before that team meets. That's expressed really badly. Yeah, you know really what I mean. badly. Well done. An Scouts a team. An opposition scout. Mm. That's fine. So why is it not fine to watch a training session where you will arguably learn less than you will during a game? And it, it's, been going, it's, it's been going on for years. This isn't the first time no. this has happened. I was speaking to somebody last night who was telling me about taxi drivers who were paid to drive up and down past training grounds to try and pick up something that was maybe No. Happening. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. That when, can't be right. Because I remember at Man City, training grounds now are all kind of blocked off. You, people, the public can't get in. You've got to have passes and everything. Yeah, yeah. But in the past, I remember at Man City, it was open. There's kind of a main road. Uh, not main road, the main road. There yeah. was a main road the that main went road past the training ground and it was like a chain link fence. So basically anybody walking on that street could stop and watch training yeah, if you, and pick you, up what they wanted to you, do. I think United <laughs> had the same problem, didn't they? There was a there was a, not a, an open what, path cliff? By a, either, either at the cliff or at Tarrington. There's an, there, there is an open put, footpath. Mm. That, that was next good. to Cities. Was that next oh, to Cities that training ground yeah. at Carrington? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, City keep, need to keep moving training ground because people can watch the training had it quite freely. At Liverpool where you could watch over the you could climb on the bins and watch over the walls at uh, Melwood. I'm sure you could do it at Finch Farm. Put, training grounds are flat, open spaces. If they they, did it, they're the not old, hard to spy on. The old Everton training ground, they would have seen Mike Walker sunning himself, wouldn't they? They Chinch? certainly would, yes. <laughs> with a Just very skimpy pair of shorts on, which you very quickly get off the bin. You don't want to see that regularly. Do you? <laughs> I just don't know what, what are they game. I don't understand what they game. When I, I was yeah. playing, a, a coach never che- even because we knew players from the opposition. To, so you kind of knew because you spoke to a player that had played with your club what the, the opposition were going. They never said, oh, because they're doing that, we're going to change completely the way that we're going to play. That never happened. Our way of playing was our way of playing. Oh, we, we might know he's playing today, not him. Is, but we didn't change what we did. Is the benefit not likely to be set pieces? Is that not the... Because this is, this is really... Bielsa came out and said oh, it happens all the time in Argentina. We know it happens in Italy because there was quite a famous case of, I think, a Genoa coach being caught spying on Sampdoria or possibly the other way around before a... a that's just across the road. Yeah, that's not even, they've not even gone to any effort. <laughs> no, exactly. But before the... Is that the Derby de la Lanterna? The, the, yeah, the, yeah. The On their commute, they happen yeah. to pass. And <laughs> they, So we know what happens there. It, I'm sure it has been going on for years. In England, Andre Villas-Boas is on record as saying he did it. That was literally his job for Jose Mourinho. That's how he got his break. So we know it happens. Surely the only thing you can glean from watching a training session is set pieces. There's nothing else you're going to learn from training, surely. That that you haven't learned from watching a team play previous games, as you said. Well, hang on a second. A couple of weeks ago, Chinch, you were talking about the difference between playing for Everton under Joe Royal and playing for Everton under Howard Kendall. And Howard Kendall would basically let you know what the team was as you were getting on the bus. And Joe Royal would tell you on a Tuesday and you would spend all week. So surely, if... Frank Lampard takes the, the the Joe Royal point of view that he's going to let his players know on a Tuesday what the team's going to be, mm-hmm. and somebody watches them training on Thursday or Friday, mm. they're going to gain an awful lot more information from that than their scouts will have done from watching previous Derby games, because Not that will be the team that's going to line up. They'll be working on set pieces. They'll be working on but it's probably a team that's played, that played a competitive play. game before anyway so there's only a certain number of players who can probably yeah. play in those teams so unless it's a mind-blowing change you probably think well if you watch a training session that team is probably going to be 
10 of the 11 are going to have played a previous match. So you're thinking, well, oh, so that's the personnel that they're using today, which they did against Bournemouth three weeks ago. So I just don't understand whether you'd find something so earth-shattering in a training session that you would go running back and say, this changes everything about how we're going to plan or what the opposition... Because teams tend to are pretty rigid in what they do, even though the squads are bigger. They, they do tend to stick with the same kind of formula. I wonder whether there's an element of habit about it, though, that especially in Leeds where, where teams can maybe switch tactical systems a little bit more easily and in Argentina I would imagine that's the case with Bielsa I suspect it's because he he will be thinking that his training sessions are so detailed and contain so much yeah. knowledge mm. that he will assume that everybody else's do even though he's now in a league mm. where mm. where that's not necessarily no. the case no. but, we but, I, I, but I wonder whether they do it because there will be once or twice a season you'll discover that actually yeah, their right back's yeah. injured and okay. they're going to play a robot there instead and or a horse <laughs> and the horse can't or this not a great engine can't cut out crosses <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why they do it because you might occasionally so it may well be yeah. that whoever his spy was at Derby won't have learned anything except that Harry Wilson was injured we, we can't mm. we can't reflect on big games either before or after and talk about well it's come these sorts of contests come down to fine margins and then say you can't learn anything from watching yeah, a team true, play yeah. 24 hours before the game kicks off that's true all, all not knowledge is power, Chinch. You, you, I mean, I think you famously said that once. Um, was it me? Yeah. Was it me? Yeah. Even though, like, so even though Everton did it that way and Joe Royal did it that way, I just wonder how many, maybe in the Championship, I wonder how many Premier League teams actually do shadow play. 11 against 11. Maybe not 11 against 11. I think a lot of them do it 11 against dummies, don't they? If everyone's involved in this, is it, Steve, such a horrendous, is it, is it a horrendous sin well, that's the, so that's the issue, is, is, it? is whether it's, is it? whether it's useful or not, out. or whether it's interesting or not, is not the issue. The issue is whether it's morally wrong to do it. There is a big difference between the attitude to training ground protection in England compared to pretty much everywhere else in that's the true. world. Yeah. I think in most other cultures, even in other European leagues, teams will generally have open training sessions which either the press and or fans are able to observe whether that's once a week or at certain points of the season. Whereas that, is, that never happens in England. Mm. The training ground is very much treated as a sanctuary here, isn't it? And the idea that someone from outside would be invited is quite an extreme thing. So yeah. the fact that they would spy upon or be an uninvited guest is enough to ruffle feathers in terms of English football, even if there is some heavy moralising going on. And I... I I remember once do, um, doing some work with a, a Japanese film crew and the, the fixer who was working, who was, who was British-based, but a Japanese woman who was helping this crew go about gathering what they, they needed whilst they were in Manchester, had said that they'd, they'd been around, they'd filmed at the ground, they'd done some interviews with journalists, former players, and they were just waiting to find out when they could go down and film training. Mm. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me as though I was completely barking mad. Yeah. What, we're not allowed to film training? I said, no. Pr- Premier League clubs never let anybody film training. Mm-hmm. No. They're not going to no. make an exception for you. Mm. And they were... <laughs> They're not going to make an exception for the likes of you. Jason Statham, maybe. <laughs> is this the Japanese fixer you had a crush on? That you were... You know, which mm. very, no, is that a different... No, I've never had... No, no. That, that's Stephen, you're blushing. Japanese fixer I had a crush on. Yeah, that yeah, maybe is, uh, is close. We're getting, off the, point. We're getting off the point here. Yeah. Bear yeah, in mind that Steve would have tried very hard. Yeah, yeah, he would have. But I, I suppose the other thing is that, that by... By doing something in a clandestine fashion, you are kind of accepting that it's wrong, aren't you? If you're yeah, yeah. 
if if Bielsa was sending a guy to wander up to the training round and be like, hi, it's me, I'm Diego, uh, I'm just here to, to spy on your training yeah. session oh, yes, to see in. what I can learn. <laughs> Side then, reception. Then, then you'd, yeah. you'd sort of be able to... So when Bielsa... I thought he handled it very well, Bielsa, mm. and admittedly, I think we are... Several of us are probably biased towards him. I thought he handled it very well by saying, I don't necessarily think it's wrong, but what matters is that Derby are offended and feel as though I've transgressed, which I think is the is a sensible way of looking at it. But... He would take his honour that if way. If he genuinely he? thought it was a it was a fully acceptable, totally above board thing to do, he wouldn't be sending someone to spy on the training yeah, session. Yeah. It, the fact that you're doing it in secret and hiding and kind of wandering about, and the guy was wearing like tracky bottoms, or in the Genoa case, he was in military fatigues hiding in a tree. <laughs> then that, that is kind of an acceptance <laughs> that this is not something you're really allowed to do, is it? Because yeah. as a rule, if you're allowed to do something, you don't put on camouflage and hide in a tree. <laughs> that's that's the sign of a guilty conscience, I would say. Unless you're a soldier in some sort of special division. But anyway, the fact that you you feel that you have to spy suggests you know that there's a reason they don't... There's a reason you're not allowed to do it. If yeah. It's not quite it's not quite the same, clearly. But if one of your players came to you and said, I've been speaking to my mate Joshua, who plays for the team that we're playing. Josh we, King. We, yes. We know him yeah. as Josh. Jo- let's not say it's Joshua King, though. Let's Josh- it's not him, is it? It's clearly it not him. It's a lot like it's yes. Joshua King. It's, it's, that's um, an example. He is a Norwegian international who <laughs> <laughs> plays for a South Coast club. Mm. And used to be on the books at Manchester United. Yes, yes. And is called Josh King. Yeah, let's assume no, let's, that. Let's assume that. And he goes to his coach and says, oh, by the way, I speak to my mate, and this is the team that they're playing at the weekend. Should the coach put his fingers in his ears and go, la, 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 I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. When you say, any information, is that different than someone watching a training session to try and glean how a team well, might be lining up against change, them? Change, as so often. Because you, you categorically you have, know what the opposition's team is. You have put your finger on the pulse of the, of the issue. I do it you? so often. It's just, it's a curse. And a I did hand in the note and he read it. But the, <laughs> that's the point. That I think most people would, most fans would expect, expect their club to be taking advantage of knowledge networks and stuff like that that they have. So, you know, maybe texting someone on the physio, on the on the medical staff or the physio staff or whatever to say, is such and such out or is, you know, is such and such going to play? I suspect players generally talk to each other anyway, so I'm not sure quite how many secrets there are. If you, you'll, you'll tend to have people at every club who've got mates at pretty much every other major club, I would have thought. Um, so I, I don't know whether there's any great secrets lurking anywhere anyway but I'm sure most people would expect their, their managers or their coaches or their players to be to be trying to find those sorts of advantages and we'd probably think that's okay wouldn't we we wouldn't think that's morally is wrong is it the method yeah. that we're saying well, so what I, what I think it is is that we, we dress football up as a, as a moral exercise when it isn't it isn't it's a cesspool and the only the only the way we treat it this is totally unrelated but the I, I had a Twitter uh, what's the word discussion with myself uh, <laughs> thread s- thread about this a, th- an idea that was raised by a Liverpool podcast about the grass at the Etihad Stadium we mentioned it last week in, yeah. in passing and I'm glad Which we got onto it probably made me sound dribblingly insane <laughs> no it made you sound very sensible and I'm very glad you did it but the it was wrong I don't think there's any any suggestion that Guardiola did grow the grass at the Etihad oh, I thought you meant that your Twitter thread was wrong which I was going to again Defend. No, the, Twitter thread, Twitter the Twitter thread wasn't, wasn't right or wrong. It, all it was saying was, look, this, this is something that is possible because teams do mess about with the draft. It happens a lot. It's a relatively common thing to do. I don't, and I, what I didn't understand was why there was this weird reaction, sort of, ha, 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 it's a conspir- what a mad Scouse conspiracy theory, when actually you sort of think, well, no, it's, it, it happens all the time. But that's, that's related to Spy Day in the sense that we, we assume, we want football to be 
this sort of moral battle between 11 upstanding individuals and 11 other upstanding individuals and it's man on man or woman on woman and it's and it's you know it's it's toe to toe and it's it's the test of your your valor and your courage and your strength it's it's battle it's that's what it is it's not really you there's, they're all trying to find as many underhand advantages as they can constantly and it's all fine so if you are growing the grass like John Beck did at Cambridge mm-hmm. to to stop passing teams playing the ball or I think John Beck drew the grass at Cambridge so that it held up in the corners yeah, the corner, when his yeah, defenders yeah, hoofed yeah, yeah, it yeah. change and that's fine that's you 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 tilt the advantage the circumstances to your advantage if you are watching the opposition for the 10 previous games or if you're trying to learn their hand signals or if you're trying to read the data so that you can establish their patterns of play if you're trying to sneak someone into their training round I don't I don't really understand why some of it's okay and yeah, some of it isn't yeah. or some, more importantly why some of it is considered okay mm-hmm. and some of it isn't give us an example of what is considered okay because the grass wasn't by no the grass uh, seemed uh, to be it uh, seemed to be interpreted that, that Liverpool exactly. fans were raising it to suggest in some way that Man City had cheated. As it goes, I don't think the context in which it was brought up was, was that. that. Yes, yeah. I don't think anyone was saying it was, it was okay. The debate that followed it, that would it was be, wildly extreme would compared be, to the nature in which it was brought yes. up. Yes. Would it be in some way unsportsmanlike or below beyond the pale to over, if you're playing Barcelona to overwater your pitch? And you can change the dimensions of a pitch as well, you can't can. you? Yeah. But if you overwatered your pitch to play Barcelona, would that be would that be bad? Have we? But it, so have we decided that that is there anything? Have oh, we well, decided uh, that there's one thing that is considered completely to be marginal gains and not considered by anybody, including the opposition and the fans of the opposition, in some way unsportsmanlike? Well, hang on a second. What's the point of having home advantage? Yep. If you can't grow the grass to whatever length you want to grow it, providing it's within regulations, if there are grass length regulations, there probably are. There are that you definitely are in the Champions League. That you can't narrow the pitch to, again, within regulations, if you think that will give you some kind of advantage over your opponent. Or that you can't water the pitch a bit more if you think, well, slowing down the game might work in our favour. If the Manchester City-Liverpool game had been played at Anfield, and City's groundsman had snuck in there and somehow changed something about the Anfield playing surface, then that would be wrong. But (laughs) City can surely do what they damn well want with the grass on their own. But but it's it's the reaction to that, which is to suggest that that is unfair on on at least the contest. and this is the this is the annoyance that but I think you, you felt, Roy, that I felt too about the debate. The, the, the debate afterwards was then framed, and not in the way that Neil brought it up on the Anfield Rap, but the debate was framed as if to suggest that a City were underhand in doing this, that it made it not not fair, and alternatively, the response then to that claim made by some Liverpool fans is to suggest that Liverpool fans are conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah. Putting that to one side, the fact is is that it was considered to be by some underhand. You said there, Steve, that it shouldn't be considered underhand, but but it was by some. So is there one thing that is considered not underhand by any vested interest, any party who has well, something to about, gain from making the point or not? How about the, the old FA Cup sort of standard, let's intimidate these fancy dans from the top flight of turning the heating off in the dressing room? Now, whenever you, whenever you hear, hear about that, happening or the, the heating being broken so that it's on constantly and it's far too hot in the dressing room the shower's not working in a way dressing rooms used to be a lot smaller yeah they made them a lot more confined yeah. so it was unpleasant fact, to be did, in there. Um, is it Norwich who painted their yeah, away yeah. dressing room pink, pink. Yeah, this season did. to it try did. it because they feel that it, it might Change mellow the out the players, the players. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that cheating but then someone from another team watching your team's training is absolutely but that's okay 
But that's yeah. funny. They, are, those are they are, not roughly? Those are slightly apocryphal, but also kind of light-hearted, no, no, no. funny stories, yeah, as no, opposed no, no. to changing the length of the grass in a way that wasn't for some reason. I don't know if they disclosed it. Would that have been okay? But also in an important game, but, that's something tangible. Is, is that the difference between? Chit, the possibly, and it, it maybe is. But it's surely. I think it's all the same. So Chinch will maybe be, yeah. be able to talk be, more about this than me. But Very probably, if you're a <laughs> if you're a player. The, w- the thing that I would dread the most about going to some sort of tin pot League Two club, sorry, League Two clubs, if I was used to kind of international elite standard facilities. Which I was. Which you were. Which I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did City play at Plough Lane. Mm. Exactly. Mm. You would you would kind of be thinking, well, hang on, this is a miserable place to be if you're in a tiny room <laughs> painted pink and it's really cold and the showers only have freezing cold water. So that all of that to me mm. is the same as doing things like changing the grass or... Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or trying to sneak somebody into training. It's all trying to gain an advantage. We, we, we never in went into a dressing room way. saying, my goodness, this is, this is half the size of our dressing room back at home. This is awful. We can't play. We feel terrible. We just understood that's how it was, and you just got on with it. It but, didn't affect you in the slightest. But why, whenever it's quite hear, funny in many ways. Actually. Whenever you yeah. hear those stories told of, of the FA Cup and, and, I don't know, Wimbledon, it was always Wimbledon or someone like that had left, I don't know, it was razor blades on the floor or something in there. <laughs> I'm sure they went that far. I think that would be totally unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs) There's the line. They had a sniper with a high-powered rifle. Murder. That's naughty. (laughs) But no, if if you, whenever you hear those stories about about the showers not working or or whatever, or the heating being switched off, people always think, well, isn't that that's that's levelling the playing field? It quite right to spirit of the cup, you know, who Ray Henry's getting their comeuppance, all that business. I I just don't. I just (laughs) Henry's. Do we not have who Ray Henry's anymore? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm well, very we, ill. Leave me alone. <laughs> you've you've reinvigorated the turn of phrase. If it's gone out of fashion, do we not? Do people not say "Who Ray Henrys"? I've heard the phrase "Who you Ray do. Henrys." I didn't know it referred you, to your dad's a classic. To, to, um, uh, to, to teams visiting Plough Lane, but yes. No, but you, whenever you hear those stories, it, it's always with an approving tone, isn't it? It's always a, well. Of course, that's how it should be because that's the nature of life. But surely that is if if spying on your opponents to get an, to get knowledge is cheating if. If changing the shape of the pitch is cheating, surely all of that stuff is cheating as well? Yeah. Or, or none of it is. But I would say, say, bribing officials or players to throw a game, cheating. now we're saying that is completely and utterly unacceptable. But all the stuff we've talked about, I, I just don't feel it's a big issue Doping, at all. unacceptable. Yes, absolutely. Look, yeah. But that that is in every sport, and yeah. that, that is considered to be yeah, not absolutely. a major then is, there, yeah. is there a truth in that? Is it to do with uh, materially affecting the result in a way that does not apply equally to both teams. But then surely one team having showers that work and one team not having showers that work is it, that it's minor, but it fits that same bill. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the thing with depends the, if you shower before you play. You know, did I took you my, my Lynx shower gel along. I'd be very disappointed <laughs> if I couldn't have a nice hot shower before I went out and gave what Terry Herlock the, uh, the run around. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Herlock, I can imagine, and not to libel him, would not take a shower before or after the game because it would enhance his position as a goodness to honest player. Look, honest to goodness. <laughs> honest <Yeah>. to goodness. <laughs> A hooray, Henry. A Henry, hooray. <laughs> Generally, those stories about you know the heating or the showers are small team facing big team. Yeah. And I think we would all accept that's a bit of a levelling of the playing field. If Liverpool, had, if Liverpool had turned <laughs> up at the Etihad cheating. and there'd been hot water in the home team dressing room and no hot water in the away team dressing room, modern stadium, I think you could say there's some really Ooh, unnecessary shenanigans. with hot water. <laughs> Where do you stand on Norwich painting their dressing room pink then? That's entirely up to Norwich how they want to interior decorate Carrow. Yeah, but they're doing it for a reason, they're doing it for to a gain reason. an advantage, oh. aren't they? 
That's, that's, it, they, they've said they've openly again, said that's what they were doing. Look, fine, fine margins. It's not as though they are saying. Fine mar- you can't just say fine <laughs> margins. <laughs> that's, that's it. Not a, that's <laughs> not an answer. Nor- if Norwich think that kidnapping my their players' families. <laughs> fine margins. <laughs> I'd say that's a fairly wide margin. <laughs> <laughs> putting, putting them on the big screen with a blindfold, holding the program from tonight's match. <laughs> Please let one in. Please either, let one either, in. Either you miss this penalty, lad, or you know what's happening next. Fine margins. I think You're giving them margins. options now. You shouldn't be saying this type of we thing. Should, That's we the we next stage. Just make it abundantly clear we're not saying that yeah, Norwich can we, are doing absolutely, that. Absolutely. Yes. Marcelo, that do not go down this road. Daniel Farker don't has do it, not please. commissioned the Barden mine off down. I don't see what the issue is with the grass and I don't really see how there's any comparison to oh, they left the grass a little bit longer than usual and sending someone to your opponent's You think there's a big difference there? You do? You think there's a big difference? Really? There is. Of course there is because the the stadium, that's your home advantage. It's designated. You play half your games at home, half of them away. So if there are certain things you can do within the confines of your own stadium for a match day that you think will give you an advantage, then it's explicitly there. Home advantage. And you don't break any rules. And you're not breaking any rules. Whereas... Each and every club, especially in England, as I mentioned earlier, seems to feel as though their training ground is some sort of. But is, is there a rule? Is, is, I, is there a I rule to say? I cannot believe there's a rule against an opposition. It. If they are affiliated to another club, they cannot do. It's, it's, it's illegal, or there's a rule against this. It can be. Look, Chinch, we can dance around this <laughs> for another hour or so. The top and bottom of it is. I is do the like greatest, Foxtrot, to be honest. Gra- <laughs> after. <laughs> Is that the Fine biggest, margins. The biggest crime committed by the employee of Leeds United in relation to the Derby County training ground is that they got caught. Yes. We all love a rogue. We all love these underhand shenanigans that we think maybe lay the narrative around the game. But it is very much the British attitude that, well, I'm sorry, if you get caught doing it, then you're there to be shot at. That is... It must go on all the time. But... Not getting back to the Norwich yeah, holding people hostage yeah. things. But <laughs> if you don't talk, you're on the, you're on the big screen in If you're going to do it, don't turn up in a flat cap with your whippet and enable someone to spot you approaching the training ground. It was uh, very interesting when Steve was mentioning this um, idea on our, pre, our, our pre-pod production <laughs> meeting that happens on our WhatsApp group that autocorrect changed... Rogue to Rouge. Rouge, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Rouge. Steve, Steve was mentioning about how the British British tend to love a lovable Rouge. That's, that's the thing. If players wore full makeup, would that be considered if they wore comedy makeup? If they all wore clown makeup, what, terrifying. A distraction. It would be terrifying. quite it's odd, wouldn't it? Is that is that acceptable? Are you allowed to do that within the rules of the game? It would probably have to be the same colour as the rest of the kit. That's yeah, that's problem. fine. And the, didn't clash with the goalkeeper. I don't know about the Premier League, but in the Champions League, they do have lots and lots of esoteric rules about the conditions that the match takes place in. There, there's a dress rule. You're not allowed to have the dress over certain, over or under certain dimensions and heights. It's got to have a certain. They've got to have a certain number of stripes mowed into it in a certain pattern for the Champions League. So I imagine that there would be UEFA would have have paperwork that says no clown makeup. <laughs> Players not to take the pitch in terrifying clowns. Yes. But basically, uh, basically, it's a moral no-no, Steve. Someone going to watch train or somebody else train is a moral no-no because there's nothing, there's no rule that says this. If you get caught, we're going to send you to prison. I, th- I, th- I think because because of this idea that a football club's training ground is sacrosanct, is, is, is a bubble, yeah, in yeah. which that football club is able to operate and go about its business privately, mm-hmm. then yeah, probably it breaches, at least in 
British football some kind of moral code. Yeah. I want to finish just by talking about something that, that was mentioned when Henry Winter entered the debate about Marcelo Bielsa, uh, but also is relevant now to our uh, current employment status is, which is that sometimes we are given information because either, for example, Chinch, sometimes the broadcast crews are invited to training in the yep. week to yep. but either one or both of the teams who are involved in the game you're covering. Uh, sometimes we will have inside information because we will have a contact or a source at a club and it is incumbent upon us to perhaps not divulge that. But are we talking about the same rules for members of the media in the way that uh, there seems to be a set of rules, whether they're written down or not, about uh, opposition scouting and not doing it up a tree in ministry fatigues? So, for example, Chinch, you have often been able to go and watch training or being privy to, to set pieces, shadow play or starting lineups Senior, for a team. Yeah, absolutely. And you what's your what's your process? Once you once you have that information, say it was Leeds and Derby and you went to Derby training yeah. and Marcelo Bielsa said via his um, ubiquitous translator mm. what 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 are they doing? What are they going to do? What what would you then how would you then react? We we would never everything we're told is is in complete confidence. And I've been quite recently burned and it is and the coaches of clubs Again, if you if you have a relationship with them over years and they do tell you and they trust you and they tell you certain things and they know that teams aren't going to get uh, passed around, then you you build up a very strong relationship and it's a very important relationship. And I've had it where I've passed information on and those other people have actually divulged that information and it's it all blows back onto me and rightly it should. And, and coaches are very unhappy when that happens, mm. but it, it, it's. Yeah, of course, we're very lucky to get that information and we're very guarded in, in who we pass that information on. You've got to trust the people that you do. Because we, obviously, with working in TV, we, we like to tell the graphics guys because they're going to maybe have to build the teams and mm. if they can know two hours before the game what the team's going to be, just it's less of a rush when the teams are announced. But again, you're in then their hands. If they were to divulge or that a picture of the team goes out somewhere, broadcast somewhere, they can... And it's just that, that confidence, that betrayal of confidence that you just simply... You, you don't or you're very careful who you speak to about the news that you've been given especially if it's it's not necessarily always but you know it might be one right back for another but there might be say a change say it's a change in formation mm. then clubs are very because that that is a, a big change for an opposition to know you're playing a back yeah. three maybe then a back four that does change the whole dynamic well, of the game so they've got to be very careful who you tell I think the, the what Darren Neville said to Henry is, is a slight false equivalent because I, I didn't actually um, say what he said so if you can, so you, can you remember what, about what the, Darren the Neville basically said he was, was how, how can you be so upset about Leeds man on Derby when you, you yourself used to spy on England training to try and get the team, which you would then publish on the day of a game. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's true of all journalists, not just Henry. They, I think at the 2006 World Cup, they used to, in Baden-Baden, they used to take the, the press pack used to take it in shifts to go and watch, to hide in the woods and watch training. And, and Henry Winter in his book talks about the fact that he had A-level German and he would talk to one of the security guards yeah. at the England training base and he would be able to elicit information that way. And that is good journalism. And I think that it's not an easy line to draw to say why that's okay or why that's different to a team spying. Because it probably on, in, in a, in a, told the logical sense it's probably exactly the same. The, the you, you are giving the information away. I'm intrigued you've described that as good journalism. I think getting the team is good journalism. That's the basic thing. Fully, I don't think it's as important now as it used to be, but I think it just because we've got used to teams rotating. Yeah. So I think in the seventies it was, it was. Um, but if you've got the team via contacts, yeah, 
communication relationships you'd built, then I would go. I'd go along with the idea that that was good journalism. Hiding the woods by hiding in the woods, doing yeah, something you you're explicitly not supposed to be doing. But it shows a bit of nous, doesn't it? I suppose. I mean, I'm, not dis- I'm not disputing. It doesn't show, you know, a depth of resources, but it doesn't. It doesn't strike me as well, being. I think, I think the other thing we should all be aware of is that it's it's getting a football team correct. It's it's not. Well, it's, yes. it's not Watergate. But also, you get those telephoto lens <laughs> pictures of a coach with a with a team maybe written on a pad. Yeah. as it was is in that, the last World Cup. Is that oh? Is that good journalism? It's not that's good it, journalism. It's brilliant photography. Yes, yeah, it yeah. is. But also, but is that, it is it that, that team wasn't right? Whether no, 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 no. But still doing it. Still doing it. Doesn't matter. Is doing it acceptable? Is it different for the media to do it? Is that their job to do it? But for if you're affiliated to a club and you're playing another club, does that is, is it different? i tell you why it's different. So, I take your point about whether it's good journalism, and that, that, that's, a, that's a good... Well done, Steve. That's a good point. I'm is not it, looking so for you. held a mirror up I'm to him. I'm going to change my, my phraseology and say that it is kind of... It is what is perceived as being a journalist's job to do that. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not, sure it, I'm not sure getting the team matters to anybody I'm, anymore. I'm perfectly happy that it's somebody using all of the resources yeah, available to them. it's resourceful them. journalism, yeah. 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 The... What I would say about the difference between the team doing it and the media doing it is that the media is not doing it to try and get an advantage for e- in the game itself. The media is, yeah. tr- is doing it to try and pass that information on to to their readers or their viewers or their listeners. But then might that give the opposition an advantage because they can just read it Well, too. it might, but then that's proof of the media being I- I- essentially impartial. They're saying, well, we don't care who this gives an advantage to. I, know, I say this as someone who does not get excited when, in you know, in the World Cup, yeah, you yeah, see yeah. this, you know, kind of Maguire to start for England in a three, and you sort of think, well, that's, that's, Wait a that minute. is not Harry a good Kane story. playing centre forward for England. What? Raheem Secrets Sterling man. starts. Right. Rip up our defensive work. We need to change. This is come as a massive surprise. Yes. I thought it was going to be Jimmy Tarbon. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Ed has just laughed his way through that exchange. He likes that voice more. Oh no, he does. We've discovered this. He really likes sort of what's the exaggerated voices. He finds them hilarious. I'll does show he you really? after. Does he, does, he really? He would love like Terry Hardcastle. Oh no, no. When you do Sean Dice, does uh, but can you please stop him falling off that? Yes. Okay. The the difference between hiding in the woods and getting the team, and what happened uh, with the photographers photographing the team written on the assistant manager's pad during a training session is that. That happened during an open training session. Okay. So the yeah, fault yeah. there yeah. lay with the England coaching okay. staff, even if it was a clever ruse to yeah. you know, send, set people off on the, on the wrong path. Whereas, obviously, what Rory was talking about earlier with journalists hiding in bushes to try and get it, it seems that's a little bit more... You, from, a, from a team's point of view, you can see why that would be, be viewed as being underhand. Again, you, I, I appreciate Rory's verdict that it's resourcefulness. Mm. Um, so to conclude, is the line here... Or is the line here, or is it somewhere in between? The line is so far behind you, you can't see it anymore. The line is back there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is everybody agree the line the is back there? Oh, yeah. Way back there. Yeah. yeah? Yep. Not over here. No. No, that would be a wrong... Yeah. About, about two yards? Three yards? I think you're going to have to hitch your ride back to it. <laughs> Yeah, taxi. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we reached some sort of conclusion, which is rare on this uh, podcast. So thank you very much indeed for all your efforts. It is time before we go for Nevermind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story. This is when Andy tells the tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Fine margins, Steve. Oh. Fine margins you were talking about. How sick And Yes. And uh, when I was at Everton, I've talked about this before, about how much we practised set pieces and worked and worked and worked to improve and improve and give teams problems. Well... I think it was 1987 when I mentioned Clive Allen. I think in a previous podcast I said I was going to do a little Clive Allen yes, story. Yes, and I'm glad of, that you've remembered that. And what I, yeah, I did remember that. It's good of me, isn't it? <laughs> and I was only a, a, a mere, very talented, but 19. So still in my formative, but still brilliant years. Yeah. 
Clive Allen was uh, been a goal scorer for years and years, and clubs and clubs and clubs. Good quiz, quiz question about Clive Allen, which I'll, I'll give you later. Um, so much teasing about. I know Clive so Allen. much going on here. <laughs> it's like but the it's, Savin Milosevic story. <laughs> We're never going to get to it. Yeah, but when he now we'll get to the uh, the point of this is the things that the, the top players would do to become the very very best, and you wonder why Clive Allen scored so many goals. I remember one of the first training sessions he did. It was on his own, and the corner of the six-yard box, both corners of the six-yard box, he basically put, like, he coned off maybe only kind of a, a two- or three-yard square on the corners of the six-yard box. And he had someone just feeding him balls from either post at different levels, bouncing them in, rolling them in, throwing them to his chest or his head, and all he was doing was just finishing, just finishing, finishing. Just be- Basically, what he was doing was just instructing his body to become instinctive, that when the ball broke in those areas... Without thinking, muscle it's just memory. muscle yeah. memory, and it's the first time I'd ever seen someone, and he he did it for kind of. I'm thinking, it looks so simple, and he made it look so easy. I mean, why is he? Why is he doing? But then, if you look at the goals that he scored, he knew the type of striker he was. He wasn't going to score 25 yard thunderbolts. He was a penalty area predator. So again, he what he did, he honed his art down to saying, well, if this is where the ball's going to be, and this is where I'm going to be, I need to practice. And it was just looked as if. Well, wait a minute, he's so close to the goal, there's not even a goalkeeper in there. But all he was trying to do was put that ball as close to the post as he possibly could, that when it came to a match situation, his muscle memory would just kick in. And that's the first instance, again, I was... And stuff like that wasn't being done in training. Training was very kind of how it had been for 20 years, just ran yourselves into the ground. You maybe had shadow games. You didn't individually go and do stuff like that. A player off his own back, realising what his job entailed. And it wasn't a coach making him go and do this. This was him. So clearly, again, to, to think, and he must have been doing it for, it's not something that he did just when he, he, he came to, to Man City. He must have been doing it throughout his career. But it's the first instance of someone themselves realising what they needed to do and doing it themselves. So when it came to me doing set pieces and stuff, it wasn't just all about me striking the ball. It wasn't about everybody else. So at times, you just need to go out on your own with 50 balls, just put them down and deliver and deliver and deliver. And it always struck me, that's the first time I'd ever seen it happen and time and again with different players Nick Barmby Gary Speed throughout their careers what they would do to improve themselves and the lengths that they would go to and it seems logical now that coaches will actually do that with, with different players in different positions the training they do as a fullback is different than a holding midfielder or a centre forward so it's all become very specific but that was the first instance of a player doing something specifically to improve his game and you look at the amount of goals that he scored. Absolutely incredible. And he was a lovely... And I see him regularly as well because he, he works on the circuit. Does he work on he's, the uh, Yeah, he's a really lovely... He's never changed, but he was... How old he was when he first arrived at City, that's kind of the latter end of his career. So he'd done everything and scored a bundle of goals, but was still... And when you asked him, he'd explain... And this is what he did. He explained why he was doing something that looked so simple. But it was so effective and it, it benefited him enormously. But the quiz question, Clive Allen. How many... London clubs did Clive Allen play for? Answers to at set-piece <laughs> menu on Twitter. They, they're just going to cheat, though, they're aren't they? They're just going to Google it. Well, so, so let's see who's, who's fastest on the okay, draw. I'll tell you what. Who's we'll and is that, who's is it a record? The amount of clubs, London clubs that he played for, is that a record? Well, obviously, otherwise the question wouldn't be asked. Um, we'll, we'll answer it because we'll need some time to ruminate, think about it after okay. we've said goodbye to everybody. So, yeah. Andrew, strong work. 
Thank you very much indeed. You rehearsed that soccer story almost as often as Clive Allen rehearsed his finishing. Uh, we leave you with a reminder of how to get in touch with the podcast at Set Piece Menu is where we are on Twitter. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com is our email address. Or you can also follow us on Facebook. Just search for Set Piece Menu. Please subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Steve, Rory, to Andy and the incredibly well-behaved Ed. Uh, thank you to you all for listening. We'll be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. If we give Steve a flat cap and a whip it, could he go and eavesdrop on other podcasts to see just whether we can learn anything? Right. There, there how is we a can... very, very modern way yeah. of doing that, Chinch. It is just to simply download that no, podcast no, 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 no. and to listen it's to it. It's not listening. It's like hearing a ball being kicked doesn't tell you what's going on. Okay. You need to see the dynamic. You need to see who's really in charge of these podcasts. It's okay. The yeah. modern equivalent. Let's get a drone. We'll fly a drone in. Oh, Okay. Spying, I prefer you. On other I prefer you in a flat cap with a whippet. I would look good in a flat cap. You think so?